Did you know that you could get buried at sea like a pirate? Could you actually snag your next mate by showing them your burial plot? Even better yet, depending upon your life's profession, do you think you can actually get a special send-off like show tunes with Broadway actors? You might be surprised. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional and financial strain does not have to be your MO. Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for, and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight, there is a better road ahead. Hello, everybody. This is Nancy May at Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. And my guest here today is Paulette Hamill, who is also known as the Legacy Lady. Paulette was raised in Canada and has lived here in the States for the last 30 years. And she is an expert in the funeral industry. She came out of the fashion industry first, which is kind of interesting. I guess funerals are fashionable now. So, you know, <laughs> fashion to funerals, right? How did you? Right. At least you got the F's right. <laughs> anyway, and she's also known as a certified burial agent and has worked with all manner of funeral homes, including some of the most prestigious in the country. Actually, I've got family in, I think it's Greenwood Cemetery in the New York area, which is also known for some big folks. And I remember his kids going there to take care of grandma and grandpa's site and some other family members. And it was a history lesson that my parents took me through. So it was kind of fun. <laughs> she is on one of the most incredible missions I have heard of in a long time. And Paulette's mission is to help over 1 million women get their affairs in order and their business in order so that they have succession plans and life life planning plans and a roadmap so that they get it all right at the end. And at the end, quite frankly, having been there with mom and dad, if there is everything buttoned up nicely in a tight little bow, it's going to make it really easy or easier for those that are left behind to, to relax and celebrate your life with a little bit more, a lot more joy. So um, 1 million women. I think that's great. The men, <laughs> the men are like SOL because they die before us anyway. So you know, sorry, guys. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I, cho- I chose a million women. It's because in most cases, they are the decision maker in these types of things. So I thought, you know what? I can capture the gentleman by speaking to the woman first, if there's women in relationships. And if not, then let me um, get my ground done with women who are really much more adept at speaking about this topic. Well, I think we're probably more comfortable at speaking about it too. And I've got to tell you a little funny story before we start and going into detail. Many know that we moved down from Connecticut and one of our neighbors, Mona, Mona and Bert, but Mona was single and she was dating one of the the local commercial real estate developers, Bert. And they, he, I guess one day he said, let me show you my property that was up north in the New England, the main area. And she goes, that's great. So they went and they saw this beautiful property overlooking the water and his boats. And it was just gorgeous. And she says, you know, I own property too up in New England. And he said, really? Let me go see. Let's go see. So they went off and they went to Maine and she takes him to a cemetery and shows him a lot of land. <laughs> she says, I own property too. And that was it. It was love thereafter, and they got married, and they've lived happily ever That's after. awesome. That's a keeping story, man. I'm going to hang on to that one. I know. Bert and Mona, quite, quite a character. Go Mona. Mona. <laughs> but I love awesome that. Story. Yeah. She said, I'll, I'll tell, tell you, one of, the, one of the most unusual things that ever happened to me is a young couple whose parents passed away fairly recently, and they met each other in the process and didn't know until the funerals occurred that their parents were in plot um, places side by side in the same cemetery. So they ended up getting married at that spot in between the two plots where they were. Two families. Isn't that wild? Wow. So she got married uh, with her, well, the the two of them got married right there on the spot at the, in front of the um, headstones of their parents. So mom and the mom and dad got to be part of the, the they party. Did. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> well, was that's a pretty cool story too. You never know what's going to happen, I guess, 
when ash to ashes and dust to dust, whatever right? they say happens. I know. And people ask me, there's like fashion to funeral. Like what happened? And I was like, well, it's fashion world was such a huge part of my life. And then the funeral world came about because of situations with my brother and being terminally ill and being asked to help and going through everything that was involved. And I thought, this is ludicrous that people do not realize how little they have to do to make sure that everything's in order so that they don't lose their homes. They don't run into arguments with the family members. They get a will, they get a trust. So it became a mission. I said, that's it. I'm going to study, take my exam. And I passed (laughs) right in the middle of doing my full-time work. And I said, that's it. I'm going to go online and start sharing this with people. And that's what happened is people were just like, I want to put my plans in place, but I'm not ready to talk about my own passing, but I do want to talk about how to leave my business to somebody or what do I do Ah. to hire people that I can pass my knowledge onto, or can I be a mentor and set this up? And then what happened is, is the end of life planning became a part of the course that I now offer to the CEOs and executive women. And I target them in particular because they have businesses that typically are far enough along and have enough money in the bank that they're at the point where they're just like, hey, I don't want to work forever, but I love working, sharing my knowledge and giving back. So I want to pass this on to somebody. How do I set that up? How do I have an exit strategy? What happens next? Yeah, no, no actually, it's strategy. really, that's really interesting. I was on the, the Tim and Jim show yesterday. And we were talking about what happens if there's a medical emergency and you're the CEO of a company, right? No. And, you know, here's the very similar situation. We talk about what to do, what ifs, if there's an economic disaster. We don't talk about if there's a physical disaster with the CEO or the leader or the owner of the business. And then what happens next? I mean, you may just want to fold it up and close, but so many people are relying on you, family members, customers, vendors employees. Yeah. It's critical to make sure that if you want to do well in business, that you do, you consider the, the, the what ifs for them as well. And I think it keeps our hearts and our heads and our business focused in the right direction at all times. So it's always finding that true north, right? Yeah. And being prudent. If you're a good business owner, you'll understand that they need to have systems and processes in place. And part of that is how does somebody know how to find your passwords? How do they know what subscriptions need to be paid for? How do they know what credit cards have been put online to continue the payments? So things like this that people think actually don't think about are are now an everyday part of our business strategies. And then with that comes the other side of it is um, what happens if you're a female CEO without a partner, but you got a pet? What happens to the pet? Who takes care of them? Like Leona Helmsley, who left everything everything to her dog. I, I, it's crazy. not a laughing matter. This is something that is serious to think about. And it sounds crazy to some people. Yeah, knowing where to find the information, the next person in line. And do you want that person? Do they have the mindset to carry on your business? And then after that is, do you have people in place that are going to execute the decisions you want to give you the wishes you want? People that you trust. Yep. You know, I know my uncle, when he passed a number of years ago, he had everything, you know, little dog, um, a chihuahua, Ronnie. Ronnie was quite the character. (laughs) Ronnie went everywhere, (laughs) literally everywhere with him. And he had plans of what to do with the dog if he had passed at that that point in time. So that was the first time I actually heard about it. But it makes sense. You hear people who have these parrots or these cockatiels. It's one of the saddest things I see when people pass away or they're life partner passes away and then they pass and these little pets, in some cases, big pets, and sometimes multiple pets, I'm talking horses and chickens and this, you know, you know, mini farms and big farms, like all the whole gamut. And if people didn't think about it, what is valuable and a treasure to you is not always the same to somebody else. And people don't like being put in the position of authority on making decisions, especially when somebody has passed away. And I'm telling you, And I say this uh, with a little frustration, but also with 100% validity that people change when money's on the table. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So when you see what happens to family members that will never talk to each other again over $1,000 that they thought was theirs versus a family that had everything in order and there was millions of dollars on the table that were able to become richer and in terms of their emotions and their gratitude and uh, thankfulness to the family, that disappears. It 
it evaporates when things aren't in order and it becomes this greedy affair. And it's not difficult to do. Nope. It's a conversation that takes time and, and practice. I'll be honest, it is not a 30-minute thing. It, it, take, no. it takes a half a day. If I sat down and figured out, if somebody handed me the proper paperwork and I had to fill it out, because you have to think about a few things and there's a few stories, mm-hmm. a little bit of history and stuff involved that you're writing down. Yeah, it takes, you know, four or five hours. But that out of your life and you're leaving this incredible gift and no loops undone or no um, no loose ends to take care of, that is something you're leaving to the people that are left behind. And ask. I can't tell you how many people don't ask an executor if they want to be an executor or they don't. Oh, yeah. And then they find out after the fact. Well, the person didn't want to do it. They're just like, they're, they have a, a disagreement with that person. They decide, well, as the executor, I'm going to do what I want anyways, because I didn't agree with this person in the first place. Yeah. And now they made me the executor and gave me all this responsibility. Well, it's payback time. It <laughs> happens, you know, it yeah. really happens. It's nasty. On the good side, when your affairs are in order, it is not difficult, but it does take some time. And to review them, you have to review them because life for people who you put in charge, should something happen, changes. Yes. And your relationship changes, but I want to get back to the pets yeah. because... Well, I want to say something first before you do, because you said something about the review. And that's a practice that I would love to put in people's heads right now. When New Year's comes on the last day of the year, make one of your first day one things to do. One of your January 1st to-do items is just to review your will and your trust and make that an annual tradition. And that way you're opening up the year with like, yep, everything's going to stay the same. We're good to go. And you sit and down you with the mimosa um, yes. to cover the <laughs> cover the the champagne headache from the night before and, <laughs> and make it part of the party, right? Yeah. So let's get back to the pets. What do you think? Pets grieve, right? Absolutely. And I've seen it with our pets when one dies and I was grieving and how my pets picked up the yeah. loss of the other one. And I remember my husband one day saying when our first dog died and I was with the second one and he said, the two of you are moping. We're getting another dog. And I said, no way. Yeah. And sure enough, I went down to visit my parents and just to sort of get away and clear my head. And I came back and he surprised me with a long ride. And all of a sudden the long ride was to the breeder. I'm like, I am not getting a dog. And sure enough, we got the dog. And our second, which was now the oldest, yeah. became the the mother dog all of a sudden. She right. personality changed and it was like there was a new life in the house and she was in charge. Yeah. And that little puppy better listen to what she had to say. It was funny to see the transition like almost overnight. Yeah. But that's pets. So what I'd like to do is get on to some of the issues on on funerals because yeah. and the whole funeral process beyond the planning process, there's a lot of things that we don't know about because it's not our day-to-day conversation. Right. Some of the trends that are going on are from ceremonies and ashes being blown out to sea to it's amazing. There are some incredible things. You can take your ashes and turn them into a diamond. Yes. To burying in a forest. <laughs> yeah, a short story on that. My two nieces, my brother is, uh, oh, I think he's six foot three. That's a really big rock. He is. He's a big husky guy and they're both fighting for, they're saying, dad, you're going to make the biggest diamond ever. So <laughs> they're fighting over who gets dad at the end. I don't mean to make light of this or to make fun of anything. Well, I think it it helps to make a little light of it, right? (laughs) So what are some of the trends and patterns that you're seeing that people are being creative about in this whole... Oh, there's a couple that pop to mind right away. And that is people that are veterans. Of course, the burial at sea is spectacular. And they're starting to learn more about that. So if you have the right to be able to be buried at sea, being able to go out on the ship, and be with your loved one. Like a naval ship or just any kind of, really, really? So the Navy is doing that. Yes. And uh, you have to apply and you have to be um, approved essentially to make sure that that is possible. But that is one big thing that's happening at the military level. The other thing Mm -hmm. is a little fact that sometimes people aren't aware of is on the veteran side, if that veteran has their DD-214 while they're alive, get a copy and give it to the person responsible for knowing where all your documents are and put that there because the VA will not proceed with any funeral proceedings until the veteran has deceased. And the difficulty with that is, is you can't pre-plan. But the beauty of the veteran funeral is that they have a space, they have a stone, 
They have their medallion, their badge of honor, if they've got that, that can be applied and their spouse can be buried with them. So I just bring that up because so many families I've met with in the past had no idea that there were. And it's free of charge. We did that with my dad. Yes. My my folks had actually known that and had all their information together, which was very good. Finding, you know, all the materials at the end, yes. because there's always like, you're, there's the emotion that's going on. You're trying to take care of somebody who's in the process of dying yeah. and taking care of your heart. And then now you've got to take care of the medical or the, all the papers. I took care of all of that, but I had the material and we took it down to the funeral home. It was all set. Right. And this Bush, Bushnell veterinary, a veteran, veterinarian, but veteran cemetery in Florida is one of the most beautiful, yeah. peaceful, lovely places I have seen on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just there, amazing. There are more veteran cemeteries being opened up. The, one of the problems here in the Midwest is they're actually filling up. So there's less and less space, but they are building more and it is, you know, you might not be close to the city where you are, but you have to look into it, but please make sure that you put your DD-214 aside, and that is just a copy of your document that you had an honorable discharge. And give the copy to the funeral home yes. so they've got it in a file for you. Yes. That's the best way to do it. When my dad died, what my my father didn't want us doing anything fancy, no cemetery. And I said, Dad, you're like SOL. You're gone. It's our turn. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. so we had the option of doing the gun salute, right? Yes. And they didn't do the horses and things like that. But, you know, they didn't do no. that down in Florida. There's only a certain amount of things that you okay, can do based on where you are. Yeah. My friend could only do taps at church where she was up in Long Island, but we were able to do the gun salute. And so when the, the honor guard shot afterwards and after the summer was gone, I went and collected all the shells nice. from the casings, then took them to a jeweler that I knew and had them all dipped in gold and silver, different different ones, and found chains for them. And each of the aides that helped take care of my dad and mom got one with a little saying that he would always say to them, each one was a little different. And then one to my sister and one to myself with his final day of the final breath date, which was September 11th, 2019. You know, I don't hear that very often what you just said, your final breath day. And that is such a beautiful way to say that. And what a gorgeous gift that you left your family. That is a a super idea. It was just something different. And I thought, what can we do? Because we wrapped his urn in in a t-shirt with his right. Stume USA on it. So it was like Mr. Red, White, and Blue. It was like, it was dad. Yeah. It just kind of like. That's awesome. It. And there's a couple <laughs> things that people may, might not be aware of. You can purchase additional flags so that there are multiple flags that can be handed to the family. Oh, I did not know that. A lot yep. of people aren't That's aware good. of that. And there is a nurse's honor guard. So anybody oh. that is a nurse, check your city. And uh, most cities will have a nurse's guard. And this honor guard will come out and it, they stand at attention. And it is a beautiful ceremony with the nurse's flags. And they take the nurse's cap and the stethoscope scope in some cases. Uh, what they do and how they, they do this is absolutely beautiful. But a military nurse. We're not just no, talking about a regular, about a regular nurse. A reg- regular nurse. Yes. That is amazing. Yeah. I wish I had known that because yeah. my sister-in-law was the, one of the best ER nurses there ever was. And I've heard that from other nurses. Yeah. Well, this is a nurse that will stand for nurses that have served in the hospitals as well as in wow. the military. But the military, even if you're a nurse in the military, you will have the military provisions available to you. But if you were a nurse, very few people are aware that there is a nurse's um, honor. That's really special because nurses, I mean, as we all know, are incredibly talented people who are there to comfort us and make sure that the doctors do what they're supposed to do sometimes. I'll tell you, there's some other things too. People that are in the theater and in the arts industries, especially theater, if you go to your local theater, they will come out and they will do oh. a song, Graveside, which is part of a lot of ceremonies that I've held where they've had the theater company come in and set a date and a time to have a separate memorial or a set a date and a time for the um, funeral service to take place. So they will come and they will sing a particular song. It depends Show tunes you know, graveside. what you like to do. And <laughs> Hello, yes, Dolly. Here we graveside. come. The people that are in the yeah, people that are in the crafts um, circle, quilters and knitters, one of the most beautiful things I've seen is they'll drape either the plot, if it's a beautiful day, with the quilts and the blankets, and people will sit down to have the the rites said or listen to the priest or listen to the, 
pastor whatever they're doing at that time. If they're doing cremated remains into the ground in a cemetery, then you can also have that quilt surround the urn and have that placed with your loved one. But they also put the quilts over the pews in the churches Mm. or the chapels where the memorials are held. And this makes something very personal. Also, to get back to some of the things that are happening, there's a large segment of the population that is millennial and a little bit more eco-thinking. And with that comes the the rise of something called a sanctuary. And people aren't quite sure what to call these. And I think that's why they're not so popular yet. They think cemetery, you can be buried right. green, right? Sustainable. But if you go to a sanctuary, you go and ask to be placed or your loved one to be placed in a particular spot. And that spot is purchased for a nominal fee, but typically it's unmarked. So you need to know how to get there. And they'll they'll give you a map. Well, so-and-so was buried in this location by this tree. If that tree should you know, get struck by lightning and fall down or, or die of old age or whatever, then you need to know that, okay, I'm going to go and find my loved one in this area, but they will decompose with the earth because they're wrapped in a shroud. Now, this is the body, not the ashes? It's not the ashes. It would be like your body is placed in a grave that is dug out into the ground and you become part of the earth again. Sort of like olden times, right? It is like olden times, yes. And so when I said you're wrapped in a shroud, the shroud is extremely special. In most cases, it's cotton or silk or hemp so that it'll decompose with the mm-hmm. soil around it. And what they're doing is they're taking these beautiful pieces of cloth that are like um, they're beaded with wood beads or they'll do things that will naturally decompose. And they're putting their names or their messages on these long pieces of fabric that are wrapped around mm-hmm. the body. And then the body is placed, right. right? They place the corpse, I should say into the hole in the ground, right onto the earth, covered with earth, and then you return back to earth. So that is a very organic, very beautiful... I've heard of like mushroom shrouds where, you know, some people talk about decomposing where the mushrooms, I guess, grow faster. Although I don't think I'd want to be like eating the mushrooms, but you know, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> but we're eating, you know, without getting graphic or too morbid about it. It's like you're eating animals and everything else that's on the earth. That's true. But yes, it is a stretch for I think for us as as the human species to sit there and a think little, a little close, really too close to having like mom for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like well, thanks. And then some other beautiful things that are happening, for example. In Key Biscayne, off the east coast of Florida, they have a underwater coral reef. And that coral reef is made with a mixture of, it's, I don't know exactly what the components are, but it's, it's organic and it's sustainable to the water environment there. And what they do is it's like a concrete mixture and Mm -hmm. they put that into the sea and they created, when you look at it from, from sky view, it's actually a replica of it's the it's the city of Atlantis. Oh. So you look at it from above and the water's crystal clear and you see this this circle with all these avenues, roads, right? Some small narrow roads leading out. And what people do is they uh, will have the ashes mixed with this concrete mixture and they have them cast into forms of a dolphin, a sea turtle, or a star or just a seashell and then they take and go onto a boat and they have a TV mm-hmm. on the boat. So your family can sit above water and then a diver, or if you want to be with the divers, you can go down and dive yourself. And they take these forms and drop them into the ocean floor. And it's got a plaque on there, a brass plaque. But what happens is, is this mixture is made to be friendly to the water and to the earth. And it allows coral to adhere to it and to grow. So what happens is, is these concrete mixtures essentially become the base basis of a home for coral to attach to. And now you've got these incredible coral reefs that are oh, beautiful off the east coast of Florida. Yes, in Key so do they actually, do they put like the baby corals in there to try and encourage it to grow or do they just they, sort of naturally? They in the water and they find the, this, uh, this reef and then what happens is, is they attach. So they, they naturally find the reef and attach as opposed to being guided to the right Yes. Concrete starfish, right? Yeah, absolutely beautiful. If people want more information on this stuff, I'd be happy yeah, to Yeah, we'll do put this. it in the show notes. You know, can people dive in there and go scuba diving and see it too, or no? Yes. And so what some people do is some people have passed away and they, they don't even have their cremated remains anymore because they were scattered. 
they'll purchase a plaque and they'll have the plaque attached to a column that's part of the road hmm. uh, structure, right? Because it's 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 kind of like um, the city of Atlantis, all the pillars and the columns below water, and they use this to adhere these plaques in honor of people that we care about and our loved ones. Or they take and you dive down with your cast dolphin or your right. seashell or your sea turtle and you place it on the ocean floor and it continues to evolve by allowing coral to attach to it and the reef expands and continues. So and it's such a beautiful story too. And it, yeah. I think there's a certain level of, I want to call it yearning, but emptiness when you may have put somebody to rest and whether they be an ash or a body, and then you don't go back to see them, right? You don't go back to yeah. see the site and you slowly pull away and, and things happen and you, you wonder. I recently found, actually an aunt gave me something that she had found that my mom and dad had paid for the plots for my mom's parents. That was in Stanford, Connecticut. I had never seen the, the plots as a kid. I'd heard that they were somewhere in Stanford, but my aunt had the the deed to the plot. So before mm-hmm. we moved, I was I, I got it just before we moved. I called the cemetery, and it turned out the cemetery had been abandoned for many, many years. And on that, and a lot of people are sitting with this, and all of a sudden it comes into their life, and they're like, what? We have plots somewhere? Plots are transferable. If you call the cemetery that you want to go to, and they will transfer the value you paid to the value of the new cemetery you want to go to, and there might be a cost difference, but that is an option where you can say, you know what, we're not going to be in Stanford, Connecticut, but we will be in San Diego, California. So they will take the property value that you had and typically, can't speak for every funeral mm-hmm. but or cemetery, but typically they will take that deed and transfer it over and give you something of equal or greater value. Typically, it's greater because land prices have gone up dramatically. Right. Most of these lots that you're talking about are from 40 years ago. Right. So where they paid $1,000 for four plots, today you pay that for one. But the interesting thing was, the, the so my, my grandparents had been buried there. The cemetery had been abandoned. And I got a hold of a fellow who said there was a, a charity group, a not-for-profit, that was upset that the cemetery in the area, which had a lot of the old families who lived there, yeah. had been abandoned. So they took it over as a not-for-profit, and they were cleaning up on their own. And they found they found the two headstones. They were ground flat for my grandparents. And they sent pictures, and they said, so, nobody's been here for many, many years. And it was in bad repair. And they said for X amount of dollars, it wasn't very much. If yeah. you like, we we will t- clean it up. So I did. I paid for it. My uncle offered to pay for it. And I said, no, this is something I want to do. And I appreciate that he wanted to do that. And I said, no, 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 this is this is something that means a lot to me. So I did that. And they sent pictures. Yeah. So I've got those photographs. And when I go back to visit, I will go and see my you grandmother know, and grandpa. You're bringing up so many great points, uh, Nancy. People can call a funeral home or a cemetery, and if they can't get out there, they can ask any time of year for a family counselor to go out and take a photo for them of the current headstone so they can at least see what it's like. You can also get onto programs. I think they all have it, actually. I think I'd say that with confidence, where they will put flowers or they will put, and they typically are fake flowers so that they don't have problems with critters. But they'll put beautiful fake flowers in a vase or they'll do seasonal little Christmas trees, little Valentine's things. And they'll do this for you on all those seasons of the year to decorate and to honor the people that have passed if you so choose. And the nice thing about that is you can ask them to send me a, send a picture. Yeah. And then with the digital world, it's so easy. There's something called Grave Finder. Yes. Um, which grave site. So I have done that in through Ancestry and found relatives that go back to well in the early 1800s and late 1700s. And it's been fascinating to find that they're all up and down from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, up to Connecticut and Massachusetts. So I was I was among my dead relatives. I didn't even, living among them, I didn't even know it. People talk about cremated remains and how they have these beautiful ceremonies with them, kind of like we were just talking about. One thing, yes, is it cost effective to be cremated? Yes, it is. But even in my situation, we had a family, two family members, one passed away and he wanted to be scattered by balloon. So we went up in a balloon and we scattered his ashes. And then 
Five years later, his wife passes away and she wants the same thing, same place. So we go to the same thing, same place. Ended up, we had the same balloon pilot oh my and we were able to scatter her in the same area. But there's no way for us to get back there because they were right. scattered over such a big area. And what we had to do was to turn around and keep a little bit of their ashes and put them someplace where we had access. And at first I thought, well, this is probably kind of silly. And I don't know if we should do this. And I don't know if we should split up the ashes and all this emotional stuff happens. And I'm talking about my own story. And I think this will resonate with a lot of people. But to this day, I can make just a 20 minute drive and be in a place that this person also loved and visit. And I just did this two weekends ago. And it felt so good to go on a walk and then stop and know that this person was in this vicinity. This is where they were scattered with just a little bit, but it felt a connection. Whereas my thoughts of the balloon ride were spectacular and the sun was rising and two eagles came over. It was so spectacular, but I don't feel attached. I don't feel any way to visit. It's not the same kind of peace that you have in your heart. The VA cemeteries put the wreaths at the holiday times and they're beautiful to go see and flags around the July 4th and Memorial. And they're really, they're really amazing to see. But my aunt who had passed away just before my mom loved her dog and, and her dog had died before she did. So they cremated the dog and she had in her wishes to have the dog's ashes mixed with hers. Yeah. So that's what the dog is now buried with my aunt. And- oh, was such, she, the deaths are such a big part of our lives, right? So a lot of people have really special wishes. And it's interesting because you can take and, well, it's pretty popular to put pets' ashes into stepping stones that you put in the garden or to put them in a in a little sachet that goes in a pillow that a, a person can keep right. afterwards that uh, might be the surviving spouse or surviving partner, right? The other thing that's being done with people, uh, cremated remains, is that you can go to an artisan and ask them to put your ashes mixed with the clay and have that turned into a vase that is used by you or put into an artful form that you hang on the wall. For example, I know somebody that is an artist that does this. And there was a fellow who was a huge fisherman and he made a clay wall sculpture of a smallmouth bass and mixed the cremated remains of this particular person, this gentleman that passed away. And this fish that hangs on the wall of his family has now passed down to the second generation. And it is a a treasured piece that hangs on the wall that they know that dad and grandpa is... They're the fish. People otherwise would not know, but it's not the typical urn on the mantle yeah. of your fireplace. And you don't have to worry about it knocking over and spilling. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then uh, on, the, on the cremated remains side, there's another very beautiful thing that is done. And there's an artist out of France, out of Paris, and she makes hand-cut paper flowers that are about three feet in diameter. And what she does is she puts the cremated remains inside of a box that's underneath this beautiful sculpted flower. It's Uh three-dimensional. And then you let this go onto water and the paper dissolves. So in three minutes, you've gone from having a memorial, this water, this flower floats out there. The cremated remains are released because the paper dissolves Mm -hmm. in the water and then the remains go into that pond or that body of water where you are. But it's a very beautiful way to say goodbye to somebody and have something that is not traditional. That's interesting because paper can, a handmade paper can also be very beautiful and is beautiful. I would imagine that you could even take the ashes and turn them into some beautiful handmade paper as well. And then into some other kind of sculptural item. So that's really creative in what we're doing. Now I want to get on to some other things because funerals can be really expensive and very costly and Costco and Walmart I say the average today. The average today is seventeen to twenty-two. It's seventeen to twenty-two thousand on average. Yep. Boy, my parents planned really well. They planned cremation. They did took care of things. Seven hundred dollars. About a burial that would include a casket. Right. So if you're talking cremation, then it drops to between two and five thousand. That's still a lot for people who may not have those funds. Of course it is. And there's things that you can do. It's difficult to talk about sometimes because not everybody is comfortable with this conversation, but. You can do things like take this person that passes away in 
your care and deliver them to the mortuary, to the hospital, to the morgue, to the, the crematory. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. I think there's this idea that when you die, you instantly become this decomposing, terrible thing. And it's like, it takes a while for things to happen. Your body is in a very peaceful, quiet, sleeping look state for days. So there is an opportunity to take your time to say goodbye. And it's not like in the movies where they take and they're transporting you on a gurney in a Ziploc body bag and you're, you know, taken away. Does that happen? Yes, it does. But in general, those of us that, that pass away in under normal circumstances, you are available, uh, able, I should say, to have this time with your loved one. And I say this because even in my own case, my grandmother was dying and the nurse came in and told us what the signs of dying are. And they're are. different for everybody. I mean, they're slightly different. They really are. Which they is- are different for everybody. But it was the change of breath and this thing, terms I hadn't heard, which were scary to hear. They're talking death rattle and the gurgling and the hands. They don't always happen. Correct. And so when my grandmother passed away, it was so peaceful. She closed her eyes. We were standing around her bed. We were able to say goodbye. And this is a way I hope that I can go in my lifetime. And I kid you not, when she closed her eyes and took her last breath, the sunset came up and it was pink and orange and beautiful. The room filled with all these warm colors. And Yes, it was sad and there was grieving, but it was a different kind of grieving. It was grieving with gratitude versus grieving with remorse. And fear, my dad, my dad took his last breath as I came into his room and I didn't know it. The the aides, my sister, they're all crying. Yeah. But he was gone. And they said, no, he just, as soon as you walked in, he knew you were here and that was it. But it was very quiet. You, it wasn't like a major drama for television. Right. It's and my mom was really, it was different. I mean, she looked... She looked, you know, because I had been scared to see what death would look like. And a friend helped me understand that, right? At one point. Yes, I was too. Before this all got to this stage. And my mom, because she had had a brain aneurysm, was gray and looked in pain. And I mean, her face looked defig- just figured she would never woke up. Yeah. We knew she could hear us because I would talk to her at night and hold her hand and she would squeeze my hand. And when she died, we knew she took her last breath. And the funeral parlor came to take care of everything. They were lovely. They said, take your time. We had dressed her in whatever she wanted. The hospice nurse said, I'll take care of it. And they said, we said, no, it's already been taken care of. It's like surprise. Our aides took care of it. So my sister and I could just catch our breath. And when I went back in to see her in her room, I looked at her and I said to my lead, I said, Millie, look at her. I've never seen my mother look so beautiful. It was like, and she, they did no make. There was nothing that they put on her, but it was all of a sudden her face was pink. She was, she absolutely looked stunning. Yeah. It was the most amazing transformation I had ever seen and probably will ever see. It just, it shocked. And even Millie like, Oh my God, it was, (laughs) it was just. What a beautiful thing. My, My grandmother was the same. And I'm blessed that my parents are still alive. They're 91 and 82. But when their time comes, I hope they want me to be alive and say goodbye to them versus the other way around, right? So, But to see fun. somebody who you know, you see that, okay, I mean, who knows if there's something on the other side? We don't know. Yeah. But there was such a sense of beauty about my mom, which was stunning. There's time to do things. If they have a favorite piece of clothing and you want them out of the hospital gown and we're in a hospital setting, you have time to put these clothes on them. And it is not creepy or weird. Get help. If you don't want to do it yourself, there are people. This is an opportunity that you have. And that's, that's why I love this conversation. You're sharing that a lot of people won't experience until the that moment in time when you're going through this. But if you've heard something that can spark a memory later, that'd be like, you know what? We did that. Yeah. Dad loves his hat or, you know, we did that of my grandfather and stuff. Yeah, same thing. It's like these are beautiful moments that allow you to say goodbye and have a different kind of peace. And think of what brought them joy. So with mom and dad, we ha- we made sure that dad always had his handkerchief. So in, in his pocket was his hanky <laughs> and awesome. pictures of my mom and him, my sister yeah. who had passed away when she was three and a half, and then pictures of, my, of me and my sister. So dad and mom both had those pictures. They were each slightly different. And we knew that they went off with with us. And that was... So I'm so glad we're having this conversation yeah. because people that are buried have a little bit different 
goodbye than people that are cremated. And I say this because sometimes I, I like to, to suggest to people, don't be so fast to get that person cremated. Make sure you say goodbye and that you give other people to see that person. There is something with the closure of seeing the person before they are cremated mm. that has a very different closure than going and picking up the urn with that person's cremated remains and not having been able to see them when they have passed away. So I really strongly recommend that as quick as people are to jump on the cost savings bandwagon, remember that there's an emotional treasure chest Mm -hmm. attached to this whole experience and that being able to see somebody who has passed away and say goodbye to their physical being is a hugely important thing to do before. So let me ask you about that because um, you you mentioned to see them before they go. My sister and I were with both my my parents in both situations, so we were there as well as the aides that that were important to us at the time. Our spouses weren't, which was fine because it, it's our parents, yeah. and 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 I get it. They they didn't need to be there, and and they they wanted us to have our private time. But if either of us weren't there. And the funeral home picked them up and took them to their wherever they take them in in the funeral mm-hmm. home. I've got I've got images of like the cold metal thing coming out in in the in the freezer, and the body comes out in the freezer, and they open the body bag or they put the you know. How do people see the person who's passed afterwards? That is not incorrect. If a person has to be transported from where they passed away to a funeral home, you are going to be on a gurney and placed within a cloth and that cloth will enclose the body and that body will be put into a bag and that bag is transported on another gurney that goes from the hearse to the funeral home morgue and if they don't have a morgue then you go to the morgue at the hospital a coroner has to sign off on the date and the time and the cause of death which can cause a delay if there's any type of disagreement or or not being able to get signatures from the doctor. Um, but that has to- Or if they're not in hospice, hospice makes that a lot easier. So a lot of people think like, oh, when you die, you just go to the funeral home and it's, and it's quick, wham, bam, you're done. And I'm like, no, there is a process that happens at a political level and at a funeral home level and at a family level. And it's signing off of everything. The doctor has to sign the death certificate, which can't happen until it's issued by the coroner. And that can't happen until the coroner signs the date and the time and the cause of death. And if that goes through and the doctor signs that, now the funeral home can proceed. So people often blame the funeral homes and the cemeteries for taking days and days and weeks. And it might be that the doctor went on vacation the day after. Now they can't get the signature. Now they have to find the next in charge. Maybe there's a complication with the next in charge not having the authority because he never even looked at this person in their lifetime or at the time that he was passing away. Now I'm talking about hospital settings in particular. Let me stop you there a second. But my question really is, I haven't seen mom and dad before they died. They died. I didn't see them at that point of time. It's three days later. I'd like to see them before they're cremated or they're buried and we're not doing an open casket or or whatever the case. Do I go to the morgue and see them taken out of the freezer to look at them or how does that work? It's a cold room. It's not a freezer. So it's a beautiful, clean room. What makes it odd is that it's so sterile, which it has to be. They're on a slide out. It is like the movies. So just like the movies, right. I wasn't sure because that seems like, oh God, that's so fancy. It's so final. It's not like you're frozen with icicles and they're blue disfigured and and coming out. No, they have a cloth over you and it is done with discretion. And if you're not covered, it's for a reason because you're going to a viewing that might have to have requested an autopsy or something. So there's everybody's situation is different. Call the funeral home, ask them where the body was taken to, call the hospital, ask them where the body was taken to. And yes, you do have the right to see that body. And actually, they're going to ask for somebody to identify that person anyway. If if they don't know who they are. So I I got it. Yep. So it's not like nobody is ever going to prevent you from doing anything that is important to you. There are rules and there are procedures to follow. And that's for the protection of the person that has passed away and the protection of yourself. And they have to gather data. And those protocols are very strict on how a funeral home identifies that person, how they receive the paperwork and the order that it must go in. And I hope people understand and respect that this procedure has been requested by each state 
at a federal level to follow this for the very reason that somebody doesn't get lost in the process or misidentified or anything going wrong. It's the last thing in the world that anybody wants. We had to make sure that they had photo IDs of both my parents at the funeral home so that when when and if, you know, that time that they passed, they had a photo ID of them and they could identify them as they came. And they were so respectful. And, and interesting, my mom passed away just as we were in the early stage of COVID. She didn't have COVID. Yeah. But they came with two hearses to the house. And because she was in hospice, mm-hmm. she died at home. And I spent some time while our aides were dressing her and, and bathing her and taking care of her. And it did this the same thing with my dad. It, for me, getting to know the these were gentlemen who were going to be transporting yes. my parents' body was important to me, who they were, who they were as people. And the conversations were so lovely and so kind. But we had two hearses for mom. And I said, why two? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, during the time of COVID, people have been very nosy in neighborhoods of what's going on. And I'm using that term fairly flippant. Yeah. And we're in an, in an HOA, they're in an HOA environment, so the houses are close together. So what they did is they said, we bring one hearse up close to the front door where we will be taking her out. And the other hearse is to block any view of any neighbors whatsoever. Right. So that they can't see what's happening out of respect for the family. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing. They didn't have to do that, right? but did that. And that's why it really pays to go to the funeral home that is closest to your home. And I say this because the typical procedure is that the funeral home contacted will be the one closest to where you live. So if, if you don't already have one, if you don't already have one, and if you pass away far away, they're going to contact the funeral home closest to your place of residence. So go in one day and just say, I just want to see what a funeral home is like. I I'm shopping. You, uh, or you can say I'm shopping and I guarantee you they will answer every question. Most funeral homes, I don't know of anybody that would turn somebody away. They wish that people would come in and ask questions because it has in North American culture become a fearful place where the end and people are like, oh, if I go there, I'm going to bring death on me or I'm going to make it happen faster. Like the bad juju, right? Yes. And I'm going to people that think that way. I don't know how to change your mind other than to say that's not the case. Is it a business, the funeral business? Yes. Sure. Do I think it's a little antiquated and out of date? Yes, I do. But there is a purpose for them today that still stands. And I think what will change is people to go and talk to these funeral homes, voice their questions, ask what it looks like, ask the questions that they don't know about. You know, what is a coffin? What's the difference between a coffin and a casket? Or what does it mean to be buried six feet under? And why can't I do this, that, and the other? Why is my casket going to this thing called a vault? People don't realize that there's vaults around a casket or a coffin. And they're two very different things. Here's what I, I'd love to do. We could go on. We've been yes, talking for a while. Is. So I would love to continue this and do a second show, do a second part if you're open for that, because that awesome. there's so many more questions that I have that to have this open discussion, I think is just phenomenal. As scary as it is, it's also kind of like, it's like being a kid behind the curtain. <laughs> right. Or like think of when, when Jaws came out, I watched Jaws behind my hands. Jaws, I didn't want to see anything, but I was always peeking behind my fingers. Oh my gosh dating ourselves because I get the same thing. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't want to see Jaws, but I kind of want to see it, but I don't want to see it. And I, that's kind of why I think this whole discussion is there's... there's. Well, I want to I want to leave people with a beautiful thought too, because you're asking different ways that people can have their departure. You want to call it that. One beautiful thing that people I have seen is they'll have the cremated remains packed in fireworks ah. and bring the family together and have this ceremony at night. And the other thing I've seen is some people find the fireworks a little bit, you know, too Too flamboyant. They do the luminaries and they put the luminaries either out onto the water and let the lights go out that way, or they let them float into the sky. So luminaries are very, very small. They are, they're fabulous. I wanted to do that for my dad's 90th birthday. I looked at, I actually investigated the luminaries and I think they're, they're beautiful, but please, 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 please be careful because this is live fire. Oh, it's like anything, right? It's not like you just go and do this off in your backyard. No, there are rules, there are regulations. I looked into doing it and the local area where uh, Hernando County, where my folks were living at the time, was under a drought warning. And they had major requests, please don't do anything with fireworks or fire or luminaries. So as a result of that, we ended up doing something indoors 
using what they call wish papers. Are you familiar with wish papers? They're fabulous. So you take your wish, you write it on a piece of tissue paper, and I'll put a a link to wish papers in the show notes too. They're just fun and you can do it for any occasion. You write it on, you crinkle up the paper, you you turn the paper into this little funnel around your finger and you stand it up and then you light it and you can do it indoors. The paper burns down to the ground and the ashes fly up into the air. We had so much fun at my dad's birthday party doing that. It was just great. It was kind of special. Yeah, I've seen it done too, where they just hold the sheet of papers only like three inches by three inches, the one I'm talking about. And what we have done is write the wish uh, for that person and then hold the corner of it. And you take a lighter and it lights up so fast that it actually just kind of like, poof, lights up and disappears within a second. And, but this actually floats up into the air like a balloon. And it's it's like watching maggots. Yeah, Ma- not maggots, but <laughs> that sounds terrible. Like magic, <laughs> magic, <laughs> bad subject. Oops, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, magic. Yeah, there's, there's so many things. That one of the nicest things too is glass works because the cremated remains work so well with melted glass, the, the molten yeah. material that makes glass that they will often mix those things and create paperweights or butterflies or birds or the cardinal and these different items. And then people have something that can stay on their desk. And it's just like, be careful of these items and take care of them and let people know what they are. Because I cannot tell you how many times people have showed up at a cemetery saying, we went to a garage sale, we purchased this dresser, we purchased this trunk, we've got this cool vase, but we're not sure what's in it. And it cremated remains. And you don't know who they are. You want to be careful that when somebody passes away and there's cremated remains with that living person, that there's a will that says where this urn is supposed to go when they pass away. So like pets that are left behind, there are also cremated remains being left behind. When people pass away, they don't have anywhere to go. There are great ways Mm -hmm. to do this, but Paulette, I really do. We're going to do part two. There's so much to discuss, including burial versus cremation versus other things. I think of body donations and freezing, vaults in the ground versus vaults above ground, transferring of costs. I mean, there's so many things to discuss that it's (laughs) definitely worth another hour. So if you've stuck out with with us, there's lots lots more to come. And I have a really funny story to share in the next episode that you're going to love. <laughs> so thank you, Paulette. <laughs> and let me put it out there. If people have questions or they want to talk more about well, this, put all your to. information and contact in the show notes, which is great. I love this. This is fabulous. Love you, Nancy. Thank you. Then you're welcome. Funerals can be fun, <laughs> right? <laughs> Make it a good day and a happy day, not one that you regret for the rest of your life. Thanks again. This has been wonderful and we'll see you soon. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021 Caremanity LLC.